my name's Chris Brown and over the coming months I'll be discussing the Night Gallery. Now to give you a better idea about what the plan is, I'll be following each individual story per week from the series. So it's a horror anthology that Serling did in the early 70s. It was kind of like a follow-up to the Twilight Zone and although he didn't have as much creative control as he did on that programme, it still has some of the same distinctive elements. The Serling introduction, some great twist endings. So if you're new to the series or want to watch them again, the easiest way is, if you live in the US, to watch them probably on, online on Hulu. If you're in the UK, you could pick up a season one box set for about £10 on Amazon or Play.com. Or, if you're a bit savvy, you can find a lot of these on streaming video websites to be fair. I mean, for example, The Cemetery, which is the story we're going to discuss today, is on YouTube. You can, a lot of these really are, to be fair. So, let's start with the first story from the pilot, which is The Cemetery. See, the pilot was originally shown on November 1969. So we have a title sequence, and then we go into the night gallery. That's meant to be, well, it's a very dark room, and it's meant to be a museum. You've got Rod Serling standing there in front of three paintings. Each one's covered up for the grand reveal, which is obviously the end of the story. Good evening, and welcome to a private showing of three paintings displayed here for the first time. Each is a collector's item in its own way. Not because of any special artistic quality, but because each captures on a canvas, suspends in time and space, a frozen moment of a nightmare. Our initial offering, a small gothic item in blacks and greys, a piece of the past known as the family crypt. This one we call simply the cemetery. Offered to you now, six feet of earth and all that it contains. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the night gallery. See, the difference between these pilots, though, and later on in the actual series proper is um, the actual paintings in this show actually have an impact on the story. Um, literally, this is jettisoned straight after the pilot. Um, effectively, they just become a doorway into another world. But here, anyway, at least, we have a, a catalyst for the action, which is quite cool. See, The Cemetery is a simple story. It's literally the kind of thing you would see in a lot of the EC comics of the 50s. It's about a nephew who's a bit of a black sheep of family. Um, he returns home to his uncle's grand mansion. See, his uncle's a very rich man. And he, the nephew manages to kill the uncle and gain his inheritance. I mean, that's the plan. He does it with a remarkable efficiency and, and quickness. Um, the nephew is played by Roddy McDowell, basically. And um, he sees the uncle can be made ill by a draft, um, any cold flow of air, and puts him in front of an open window. And that is literally enough. He's gone. Uncle's dead. Your nephew's got the cash. See, all the money, though, was meant to go to the only other person that lived there and that was a manservant called Portlefoy. See, Portlefoy basically now just gets a pension from the will and not much else uh, after many, many years of, um, of service. Um, so the nephew 
basically now at this stage he looks around all he surveys and he sees uh, the, the hall is covered in paintings and uh, he sees the paintings and one of the paintings really catches his eye it's actual image of the mansion with the family cemetery just in the corner and this was actually painted by the uncle who was a keen amateur artist and you don't see quite but it, it freaks out um the the nephew quite a lot see every time he sees the image there's a slight change in it initially he sees that the grave is actually open and then he sees a coffin inside and then you know he goes on normally with his day-to-day life which tends to be to be fair for the benefit of the story just really really annoying Port Lafoy as much as he can and winding him up and then when he goes back to the image you can see another change in it now we can see the corpse of his uncle and then again he goes around with his normal normal day and when he returns again it, it looks like his uncle's animated and this kind of uh, this escalates effectively to the point that he sees in the end that his uncle is re- approaching the mansion and eventually by the time it actually reaches the point where he can hear literally hear a knock at the door your man's gone mad he completely snaps runs around the house like an somebody demented screams for mercy begs people for forgiveness and then collapses they dies going cold dead basically a fright i think is the idea um of this unseen ghoul and zombie that he's just just spotted in the picture um and that would normally be it i suppose i mean these kind of ec comics kind of stories are very quick but not in the night gallery and certainly not with rod serling we need to get some some twistage in there some nice nice interesting twist and in this case and this is where we get really spoiler heavy there is a twist and you don't expect it really to be fair and i mean in normal traditional uh, ghost story writing that would be it the murderer's been killed uh, uh, and all is right with the world but in Night Gallery, um, Sailing Twist is in there, and to be honest with you, it isn't a very good one. Um, there are ideas there, but it doesn't fit as well as it should. See, it's all been a big plan uh, from Port uh, who is played by O.C. Davis. Now, it looks initially like they're completely wasted a really good actor in that role, but they've not. The idea was um, he basically, in story, he employs an artist who um, pays him $500 a time to create the same painting but with slight changes in it effectively your uncle getting out the grave going up towards the house and so when Roddy McDowell sees the painting he deter- and then turns away it's quickly changed um, and it would work except for the fact you can't actually imagine that, that would happen without Roddy McDowell noticing at any point um, there are moments when he looks like he's literally just turned away from a brief moment and turned back and in that point it's already being changed I mean he's constantly looking at it and constantly seeing changes so I mean I can't even imagine that he wouldn't seem to spot like the 15 paintings that were lying around the back of the sofa or something or exactly the same with a slight difference on each one um so the idea is there and I know it's a Rod Serling script so I assume that he thought he needed to get that twist in there I mean obviously he was known for that kind of work but to be honest with you it doesn't help the story however it all gets saved by what happens next as Port Lafoy um, takes root control of the manor, now obviously he's the last remaining, well not, not relative, but last person in the will alive after all these years, he sees the painting on the wall and sees this time the nephew coming out the ground. And it's not that he's turning away and it's changing, he's seeing the image change in front of his eyes. It isn't a trick. And the nephew's obviously coming for revenge. And the final shot is a Port Lafoy frozen in terror, watching 
just on the painting, this ghoul coming towards him. It's a lovely touch, and it saves what could have felt quite a lot like a cheat ending. Um, to be honest with you, from a personal point of view, I thought initially the story struggled because it really, really wants to be a 1950s horror comic style and it's a nice ghost story but not much else it's then twist comes out of nowhere and it's such an oddball idea um that it could almost feel like you were being cheated but in the end there's um this return to a more supernatural material really really grabs it the story by the collar and yanks it into a unknown territory well i suppose like the night gallery ter- territory in this case but on the whole, it's a quite light, bright and breezy affair, really, for a ghost story. It's a haunted house setup. Obviously, it's given that Rod Serling treatment. And it's a fun opener. I mean, you've got to bear in mind, it's not just a series opener or an only idea for a pilot. It's an opener to an anthology of three stories in the one episode. So it works quite well. Um, the twist's a stinker. But it's all put together very nicely and it's got a very strong opening and there's a nice spookiness to it, to be fair. I mean, the cast is great. Ossie Davis looks, I mean, as I said before, he looks like he's being wasted, but really he's on a massive slow build. And that final shot of him recoiling in horror is really, really good quality. Um, Roddy McDowell, obviously, um, you normally see him, I mean, well, in Planet of the Apes, I suppose. I mean, he plays a variety of different chimps in that pro- in the TV programmes and also in the, uh, the TV series, as well as the films, I should say. Um, and this... I mean, obviously, he's, a, he's very much a character actor. He's used to this kind of horror kind of thing. But um, he, he just, he starts off absolutely off the chart nuts and then gets worse. I mean, there's, you've got, I mean, you've got to see it in context. When he actually kills his uncle, he literally is talking to him. He's trying to be quite sinister. And then opens a window, well, sees the open window and screams, Aha! A draft! Effectively, and thrusts his uncle in a wheelchair towards the window to his doom. And it, you would normally imagine it would be a bad idea, really, for that kind of level of just off the charts. But here that hysteria works, really, simply because you've only got 20-odd minutes to get the, the entire story in. He needs to go from normal to the type of man who would die of fright or some kind of heart attack. And because he's so ultra on the edge anyway, it's not such a leap of faith when it actually happens. Um, what I'd also add is that the uh, film was uh, directed by uh, Boris Sagal, um, who fans of the Twilight Zone will probably remember the name he did direct a couple of episodes I mean he's very much a he was very much a TV director what I'd say about him was he died in this ridiculously bizarre accident he was on a TV set for a show uh, called World War 3 and um, he got to cap- well nearly decapitated by a helicopter blade which is not funny but it's quite macabre and quite fitting really for some of the material he used to direct it's uh, it's suitably tragic and suitably nasty um so yeah i mean it's a good opener and it's a it's a great great start to the pilot but what i'm leading to is the story that comes for next week in our case the next story in the episode which is eyes which it follows well it's directed it's the first ever uh thing that steven spielberg directed in hollywood it features joan crawford's last ever acting role 
it's a great episode. My one of my favourites, but I also know it's very divisive amongst some fans. Um, people love it or hate it, and we'll discuss why that might be next week. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, I urge you to. And I hope you've enjoyed our little chat, and we'll see you next week for a little bit more of the Night Gallery. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Send feedback to the Night Gallery Podcast. Please email nightgallery at thetwilightzonepodcast.com and visit thetwilightzonepodcast.com for all new episodes.